Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode of uh, the three kinds of episodes that we do is about production. I'm really excited because this is an area that we haven't really talked about, um, but it's everybody else is talking about it, so it's about time. And uh, that is about artificial intelligence, about AI, and about its application to law firms. So while I said it's about production, it also might end up being a little bit about marketing, a little bit about acquiring clients. So we'll see We'll see how this shakes out. But as you know, the main triangle of what it is a law firm business must do includes two of those things, acquiring new clients, which we call acquisition, producing the results that you promised, production, and achieving the business and professional results for the owners, also known as why the hell we do this. Um, and in the center of the triangle, of course, is you driving the results, driving the goals. And today's episode, we are going to discuss AI and what it means for law firms in production and marketing and in their future. And my guest today, I'm really honored to have uh, with me Gila Hyatt and Evyatar Ben-Artsy. They are with Darrow.ai, both senior execs. Uh, uh, Evya is the founder, Gila is the CT co-founder and CTO, and uh, we're really honored to have them on the show. And so we're going to call today's show is it really artificial? Um, because uh, there's a lot of intelligence about this AI stuff, and it can be really serve that intelligence function for your law firms. In other words, helping you to discover, helping you to learn, helping you to um, find not just clients, but but uh, subject matter that you can help resolve for the world. Um, so without further ado, quick introductions. Uh, Gila, first of all, uh, she is co-founder and CTO of Darrow. Prior to founding Daryl, I mean, this is this is really impressive stuff. She spent seven years as a software uh, senior software engineer and team leader in the Israeli Defense Forces, which we'll refer to as IDF, so we sound cool. The intelligence unit. And during her service, she worked on a special, highly classified. Am I supposed to be talking about this? Projects focused on ethical uses of AI, both for military and police, with the goal of resolving core security issues. She and her team were awarded presidential honors that recognized units displaying extraordinary performance. And she was also chosen for the Forbes 30 under 30 list as one of the youngest minds in the industry to hold that kind of leadership position in a fast-growing technology company. So, wow. All right. And Evia is a co-founder and CEO of Darrow also. Prior to founding Darrow himself, he was at the High Court of Justice um, in the state attorney's office, where his focus was on administrative law and public policy litigation. Um, he served as a law clerk for um, Justice Yu Vogelman at the Supreme Court of Israel and for Judges Gorin and Cheshen at the Center of Arbitration and Dispute Resolution. He's an LLB, BA in law, cognitive science from Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and he's put together his studies of legal, psychology, linguistics, philosophy, computer science, AI, neuroscience, and anthropology. You know what? I'm just going to let him lead this show because 
That's amazing. I mean, he co-founded an educational nonprofit called Yahav, which promotes social change in Israel. Evia is a captain um, reserve in the IDF also, where he currently serves as a company commander following service prior as a combat soldier and commander. So holy moly. I usually am bad at these intros, but let's face it, they wrote them. Um, Gila and Evia, welcome to the show. Hey. Hey. I mean, we wrote them, but you read them. And, and, yeah, I and- did. That is 99% of the impact. With my own special flair. Um, but yeah, no, that is that is impressive. So seriously, though, I mean, that is quite a varied background. But like both of you, the, your background and what you've done has you know, really helped, I think, to frame up a an ability to not only understand, but implement the best of AI, you know, not not some of the silly uses of it that uh, some people are doing. Um, I know you guys are probably familiar with you know, the, the lawyer who, who just had AI write his brief and it made up cases and submitted them. Like, you know, these are the stories that people are hearing. So let's talk about the serious uses that we can put this stuff to that could really help lawyer, lawyers and law firms achieve more success for their, for their business. But for, before we do that, let's like, what brought you to found Darrow, um, whichever one of you want us to talk about, like why Darrow? What was the driving vision? What's what's what are you trying to accomplish? Well, it was about four years ago, and we, we were uh, I was clerking at the Supreme Court with a law school friend, and and we recognized like the serious level of friction that this system has. Right, you basically see a lot of cases that never really make it to court just by doom scrolling on your phone at the end of a workday. Right, you just go on Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever, and you're like, "Holy, there are so many legal violations in the world." Most of them don't get to my desk every morning, and as a clerk, that was frustrating because a lot of the work that I was doing was stuff that I, I didn't find impactful. Most of the cases you dismiss, uh, definitely in the Supreme Court level, and it, it felt like, "Well, what is my time used for?" Am I being the best impact that I can for the world? Once we we caught that and we learned that most legal violations never get detected, people don't even know that they've been harmed. And, and this goes like across the board. Corporations don't know about most of their legal assets, so to speak, and consumers don't. Other people who haven't done anything but got to get harmed are in the same position. They just don't know. And and we shared like the problem with Gila and, and she kind of immediately recognized that what we were talking about was this fluffy macroeconomic problem in the world about like inefficient enforcement of the law or something like that. She was like, well, listen, this is an information gap. It's an intelligence problem. I mean, the, the, the fact that there is knowledge somewhere or intelligence that is scattered around is not something that is unique to the legal system, just in general. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of of exposure in knowing what the other side or any side of that that story holds. So, working in Intel, understanding all, both in the ma- macro level what is what is the story behind it, what are the driving forces, it requires a lot of data, and requires not only data but also a methodology to understand that to to tell the story at scale and gather that evidence. So when when we met and and we we started looking around this problem, we understood that it's not about the legal profession. It's the ability to acquire knowledge 
and work around it and work around data in order to support those those stories or those narratives. So when we started working on this and, and starting working over this idea as a data professional, for me, what 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 is required is the the story behind it, is the legal rationale that is the 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 DNA of that story that we're trying to convey. Because in the end, it's very it's, it's very difficult to understand what you, can you do with raw data. Because raw data doesn't tell a story. It's it's it's, it's barely it's barely called information. Right. I mean, we're talking about unstructured data as well, like just like data data from all sorts of sources that isn't neatly in a database in a nicely categorized way. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the data is dirty. It's a it's a it's a problem that has happened that happens in every every domain, every every business domain, over every domain of our lives. The, the data is not built to serve us for a purpose. It just exists. So, sometimes it's a side effect of a lot of actions. So in order to make it coherent, cohesive story, there's a lot of knowledge work to apply to that and, and to understand what you can derive from it in order to drive results. Sure. Okay. So let, let's let, let help me correct, connect the dots a little bit. So you've described um, a problem. Evia has described this problem of like that we're spending a lot of time on less impactful things. And yet we're we're cognizant, we're aware of more impactful things out in the world, but they're not making their way into the legal system. That's that's sort of the problem that, that, that he's framed up. And now, Gila, you've talked about how somehow harnessing that the data that's out there, unstructured, dirty, you called it as it is, can be brought to discover these problems and or tell a story. I think I love the, what you said, you tell a story about it. So now let's connect those two dots. How does that help lawyers? How does it help legal practices? How does that help the world? Well, lawyers care about that deeply because they spend about 20% of their time, like working hours on developing the business, at least in litigation teams, that means looking for cases. And sometimes it could be creating the right marketing automation to, to get the right clients in the door. But most of the time, it's about hunting for, for those cases that make your practice finding the business that makes your practice. And, and that's a lot of work that goes into something that isn't, isn't legal work. It just isn't. It's, it's unbuildable work that is basically creative. It's, it's about the, the developing your business in creative ways, especially when it's coming up with uh, and, and understanding what kind of, of social phenomena are out there in the world. It really requires to harness your creative skill that is not perceived or, or, or quantified in a way. But lawyers are expected to do that. Also, they expect that from themselves to bring the A game both in creativity and building the right, right foundations toward the litigation they're trying to create. The podcast is called Unbillable Hour, right? We're trying to cut down on the unbillable hours that, that lawyers have. Because when you're developing a new case, when, when you're getting a new case, it, it doesn't uh, mean that you're going to be able to bill that time. And and. That's the thing that we're looking at as the business development work for law firms, or at least for litigation teams. Yeah, so let's let's do that. So, um, you know, obviously business development, a lot of lawyers believe and wait for their clients to realize they have a problem or an opportunity and then bring it to their door. And we spend a lot of energy, time, and money Basically putting up a giant neon sign that says, you got a problem, I can help. But what you guys are talking about is maybe saying, hey, you've got a problem 
and you might not know about it, which, um, you know, in marketing, we would refer to as being higher up the funnel and which, which means there's a lot larger market to um, address uh, with a lot of opportunity that might otherwise never even be recognized. Am I catching it right? Perfectly. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about then who are you helping right now? Like what, what kind of law firms, what kind of lawyers, what kind of practices are amenable to this with you right now? So we mainly work with the plaintiff side litigators. Those are partners and associates that, that do litigation. But in general, we work with the rainmakers of every firm, those like top litigators that bring in the business. Once we find someone like that, then, then we can help them uh, achieve better results uh, in their production. Cool. Let's take a break here for a second and then talk about how, right? So like, I want to talk about a couple of practice areas that are like, how, what kind of discovery are you doing for them? What kind of business are you being able to bring to the door that they might not otherwise have? But before we get to that, we got to listen a little bit to the folks who make this show possible. And we'll do that right now. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And... TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com. All right, we are back uh, with Gila Hayat and uh, Evyatar Ben-Artsy. Gila and uh, Evya um, of Darrow.ai. And we've been talking just a little bit, framing up kind of what it is that they do, because it's you know, not for nothing, it's new. Um, and uh, it's a new way to approach business development. I, th- I think it's pretty exciting. Who's using this? Like, what? talk to me, like, you don't have to give names or specific cases, but like, what practice areas have been successful using these methodologies that you've framed up as a way to uh, get new business in the door? So we're, we're talking mostly about those uh, consumer areas that a plaintiff lawyers like, right? So anything from consumer protection to product liability, environmental issues, uh, securities fraud, it, it, like general financial misconduct and, and, you know, like in all sorts of areas and, and of course, antitrust and, and pharmaceuticals, all the way to employment and privacy. Like we, we basically wanted to touch everything. The, the the great thing about the technology that we built that allows us to to understand those cases because we're looking at patterns. So we're looking at various types of cases that can be done in the that go to, through the same place. So so we're applying law on raw data. That's what we're doing. This allows us to expand very very quickly to new types of domains or legal domains and new types of cases. Sure, as long as there's data out there, like you can ask a question and then find out uh, what the, I think you said what the patterns are, what, uh, what, what the story that can be told by, based on the available data. 
are these data sources tend do they tend to be publicly available data sources um, like, or do companies bring you their own data and, and you can sift through that like how, what what do you feed into the algorithms to give you an idea of what what the story is starting to look like well I cannot disclose all types of data sources that we're dealing with but in a, because also it's a, it's a part of our secret sauce but I, I can share um, that we're standing on a lot of openly available databases, data sources, anything you, you could imagine, a lot of text as well. So we're looking at different publications. We're looking at everything that is publicly available. It can be source code when uh, and, uh, and, and a lot of dumps that you will never be able to put your hands on um, just using a browser, but they are publicly available. Just sometimes it may not be publicly noticeable. Yes, uh, but it's available. I mean, there, there's there's a funny uh, the anecdote that you can hide a body in page three of Google search. Uh, well, we're we're going to the deep web and beyond in order to find those data sources. And also, the the interesting part is about uh, making combinations. So, for example, maybe one publication, one data source might not be enough to hold a full story because if you're if if the story is told in one place, then I mean the story's out there. But the ability to to craft and understand the narrative where it's spread across different facts or different evidence that happen, ha, ha, find their way somewhere, then we're finding them. So we're basically connecting both the legal dots and the evidential dots in order to create a full cohesive story. Let's take a minute to step back because I feel like there's a lot of conversation around AI. People are using the words, people are familiar that, you know, with the big story, of course, is, you know, chat GPT is out there and people are familiar with that. People, I think at the same time, have kind of skipped over understanding what is it? What is AI? What, you know, because chat GPT is a language uh, system. It doesn't really encompass everything that really is a, what AI is. Um, so, for, you know, from your perspective, when we're talking about AI, you, I mean, your company is Darrow.ai. What is how would you describe so the listeners can get a better handle on it what artificial intelligence is in this context artificial intelligence in a nutshell is the ability or a system that has ingested huge amounts of human intelligence that has been curated for a long period of time they might look like magic for some people and maybe like dark magic because it's hard to explain how it works but in the core in the core of things it has been exposed to a lot of data that couldn't be uh, comprehended by a single human being just because it's a lot and the ability to derive or predict any kind of question or but but in the core of it it's statistics so the more data you put into it the better uh, results you will get just like you would educate a child or or or, te or teach a kid how to 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 talk or how to speak a foreign language or to swim. The more good examples of good behavior they're exposed to, then they they will know what to do next. And when when they're not sure, or when they try to to sub to, to your example over over ChatGPT making up things, they're very very keen to give good results, but sometimes don't know how, so they're just working with the best they could. What we feel about, um, or maybe the, the initial reaction when interacting with language models, that it's dark magic, right? It's, it's, it says things that sound coherent, but it's only as good on the data that it's worked on. 
And from what we've seen with general uh, AI models, I, I, I believe um, you've played with ChatGPT. It really talks about legal matters in a way that a civilian would, but it doesn't really get to the depth of, of the, the secrets of the trade or maybe the, 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 the intuition around that to understand what the, the stories really is about or what kinds of, of, of facts might support it or what kind of narrative can tweak up in order to make it a more understandable story. And I think when we're talking about AI in, in, in the legal field, sometimes when we look at this promise that, that is being made and there's a lot of buzz around that in the, in the legal tech sphere or in general, just in the, the legal world, when we're looking at the missing component, the intuition, the ability to make real legal decision, this is what, what we've been working on the past three years um, yeah. since we started there. In order to cr really craft the intuition that hold, that that and implement that and the intuition that, that has for a good litigator, that sense of I know how to argue that case. I know right. what makes the case. Right. So let me and so this this show also has dark magic. I can already hear the questions from from the listeners from the future. <laughs> and so let me let me address a couple of them because what you're talking about, I mean, sounds amazing and like everybody should jump on it, right? There are going to be skeptical questions, though, which I think deserve to be asked and answered. And so the first one is, you know, based on experience of things that we've heard about. One is, I think you just mentioned it, sort of like the need to answer the question, even if there's insufficient data, which leads to BS and the problem of GIGO. Garbage in, garbage out, right? So what happens, you know, the, you guys said you, you're going deep in the web. Well, one thing we all know is that like, there's probably, I don't know what the statistic would be, but I would get, I would venture to say substantially more misinformation or quasi misinformation than solid information out there. So let's deal with the first one first. How can, if, if attorneys, if law firms are going to use this to discover problems, how do they make sure they're not chasing a phantom problem that's just stoked by misinformation? I, I, I think, first of all, like the idea that there's a lot of misinformation uh, in the web is something that we all feel intuitively is right. Not because people have bad intentions, just because sometimes there is misinformation. The capability of finding out and, and cross-referencing a source is not unique to humans. Humans do it but machines can also do it. First of all, I think anyone using generative AI should employ techniques for cross-referencing their sources, making sure that the information they're providing is the best available. And, and just note, like someone will be using the information online. Someone will be using it. There is true information out there. Anything that anyone does today, there is a trace online. It's there. And so, Deciding not to do anything about it because of the risk of doing something wrong, that's, that's not played very well for, for the technological advancement of law. We have to do something. So cross-referencing sources is important. And, and if you get a case that seems odd out of ChatGPT, for example, then, then you might want to cross-reference it and, and, and check whether that's right. And that doesn't mean asking the model again, right? It, it, right. That doesn't <laughs> uh, we've seen it doesn't work. So I, I think, first of all, the techniques of cross-referencing sources have to be advanced thoroughly. And, and, and 
we're doing that, but there are a bunch of other companies that are doing this as well. And and like hats off to everyone who's in this problem trying to figure out how to prevent hallucinations. I, I, we see a lot of e-discovery companies that are doing this in, in another space where you really can't get it wrong. The stakes are too high. Here in the type of knowledge work that we're talking about, the legal work, justice is at stake. And, and sometimes people's lives are at stake. You, you, you can't in any way get this wrong. You can't hallucinate. So using AI without the proper uh, uh, breaks, that, that doesn't work. You have to have checks and balances in the model, in your models, and, and in the architecture. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's also important to, to, to double-click on that note. So it's not a single model that is a completely black box and we don't know how really how it works. And I think that was that is the initial fear from... Um, commodity language models uh, it's 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 insane to call them commodities now because uh a year ago they were not even we wouldn't be able to imagine it but they do not exist by themselves they're not a self-driving machines that are 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 working there's not yet not yet <laughs> but there is an there's tremendous amount in, in of of investment in the infrastructure where it works the ability to call for a human or to cross reference the it's it's not necessarily just one statistical model even or or even a family of models or a group of models that are working uh, working together but it's also the ability to apply criticism and really see and and check and see see if it really checks out, even if this source is available, real and 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 true and truthful. So when we're talking about AI, it's not about um, uh, referring also to to garbage in, garbage out. It's not just a coin where you ask a question and you get a full legal case. Obviously, if that was if that was so easy, then um, it, we wouldn't be here talking about this. But the fact that there's a lot to be done and a lot of different steps. In order to find the, the legal case from A to Z, it requires a lot of human intelligence and also a lot of, of different checks that you need to apply and they all need to come together. So it's not just this one model working. There's a lot of software involved into understanding, into scoring every step of the way and see, are we getting close to the story or not? It's not necessarily whether it's truthful, whether it's feasible. And, and there, like, there are a lot of humans in this loop, right? We're we're like, we're ninety people at Darrow, Israel, and New York, right? And, and I, I think the the understanding is that the AI companies, the ones developing models and and ML architectures and building AI, those companies are kind of trying to be the the beating human heart of this machine, right? Uh, uh, they're trying to to educate the machine in order to make it sufficient for our needs. And, and that can't be just this idea that we're building a machine and that's it, it'll do everything for us. There is a whole operation around this. That's what AI companies are about. The software is part of it. It's not everything. Sure, sure. Well, that makes sense. We're going to take another break here. Um, we are talking with Gila Hayat and Evyatar Ben-Artsi of Darrow.ai. And we're going to come back out after the break and talk a little bit about how it's implemented in firms and also a little bit a little bit of uh, vision casting because like a year ago we couldn't have even imagined that this existed and now we're in a situation where we're talking about some of it being commoditized already but so let's talk about you know the, what uh, what the future holds as well but first a word from our sponsors 
Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with the project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. And we're back. Uh, we are talking with Darrow.ai and the co-founders, uh, Evyatar Ben Artsy and Gila Hyatt. So um, you guys gave some examples about uh, you know the, the uses, but so and in the beginning you talked about the using the or eliminating the unbillable hour, which I take personally. Let's call it optimizing the unbillable hour um, and really allowing attorneys to do that in such a way. So. You know, we've talked about the reliability. So how do they come to you? How does a law firm come to you? Like, what's the question they should be asking? It's the question of, do I want to have discipline in my business development and marketing practice? I'm, I'm developing new cases. I want new cases for my litigation. What is going on? Am I doing this in a disciplined way? Am I systematic? Am I methodological? And if I feel like there's a problem there, and it could be either the partner, the managing partner of a firm saying like, I feel that we're not disciplined enough. Or I see some of my litigation teams uh, uh, having trouble with a lot of downtime and I want this to be fixed or uh, just a litigation team that wants to insert some discipline into their practice. And bring their uh, game. Yeah, get, get to the point where it's not about, like, I, I think that's probably the, a major thing in legal tech. Like most legal tech companies are, are focused today on making firms more efficient, right? We focus on helping firms grow. So any law firm that wants to grow and has a litigation team, they will usually come up to us and say like, hey, how can you help us? And we start out with saying, we're not going to help reduce your time spent on certain tasks. It's not going to be helping you perform discovery tasks in a simpler manner. Uh, there are companies that do this, but we don't. We'll help you generate new business for the firm, which means more cases. That basically is it. And, and these solutions that, that, of course, are powered by AI have the, the ability to, you know, mitigate the risk of spending a lot of time on these business development tasks. And I, I think that's, that's the major value that firms that use Darrow are looking for. They're looking to reduce the downtime and get more business into the firm to grow. And also, there's a lot of risk of going into both developing in a domain that you're already in or creating more cases of what you're an expert in or in finding new domains that you want to practice or new types of cases that, uh, that of, on, of interest or, or uh, of trend. And there's a lot of risk into going into new domains or expanding the, the, the practice. Sure, and, and of course. More. And there's a lot of risk in that because you don't know necessarily if you can find more cases, um, find the plaintiff, and 
all, all of that work without both without discipline and without data is very, very dangerous. So this is kind this is what we're we're offering to our, our partners is the ability to assess and, and be exposed to new types of cases and to cases that they, they want to pursue more being backed with data remove the guesswork around validating those new fields and, and just gaining uh, and, and understanding what is the next course or what is the best strategy to move on forward in growing the firm. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So let's take that last step now and talk about Gila mentioned that this stuff didn't even exist a year ago. Some of it's commoditized today. It's improving at an exponential rate. The models are becoming smarter um, and faster. So what's the future? How does this look? I don't even know how far I can ask you to look down the road. Is it fair to say a year from now? Um, what do you see coming? Well, I think a year ago I was I was overwhelmed just by the, the by, by the adoption just like just just any other person because it, it is mind-blowing the ability that has been introduced to the world. So it's very hard to guess where we're going to be in a year. So don't uh, don't take my word for it. But I think during that in the past three years, what we've been learning that we we as humans or as professionals are going to distill the human cognitive things that cannot be replaced. A lot of the task work is going to be redundant because it's going to be replaced. What is not going to be replaced is the ability to ask questions defined problems. And I think one of the, 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 the most interesting things to see when people interact with language models is the quick feedback around the ability to ask good or bad questions, because sometimes we're just being confronted with the ability to, uh, with our own ability to ask those questions and get, gain those answers. So what we've learned that asking a good question is better than thousands of good answers when you don't know what you're trying, what sure. you're trying to pursue. So I think that what language models bring us, or in general, just the, 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 the commoditizing AI, it will turn everyone into product managers because technical skill will be something that is you can quickly overcome. However, the human component around probleming rather than solutioning is going to be key. And we've seen that working with lawyers is to carefully draft that question, carefully identify what sources do I trust or not? What kind of methodology, what kind of train of thought is aligned with my mission is something that is very hard to reproduce just by prompting simply. It is really a process. And the ability to learn that process for, for us as humans interacting with a lot more machines now and consuming a lot more content that by the end of next year, 90% of the content is going to be machine generated. So the ability to ask the, the good questions and formulate what are the problems that we're trying to solve is going to be key. And this will completely redefine the way we interact with technology. I can't promise anything about how the next user interface is going to look like. But in terms of cognitive skills, we're all going, we as human species are going through hyper growth of learning how to ask questions. And when it's quick enough to get that answer, then the, the, the loops are going to close much faster. Is that part of what you do for law firms is teach them how to ask the questions? Absolutely. So we're, we're, asking, we're asking a lot of questions of law firms to understand their practice 
and see how how to apply those those capabilities on the or those machine skills. There's a lot of machine learning, but also a lot of machine teaching. Yeah, and yeah. interacting interacting with our clients is the core component of teaching that machine. So by asking good questions, both the machines and the lawyers that we're working with is what makes it happen. And this is what we take pride of, the ability to translate that and, 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 and introduce more context and more content and more data into that. But in the end, it's about the question that matters. And, and I think you don't have to be a technologist per se to ride this wave, right? That, that's, that's the cool thing about yeah. it. Like if you're just a lawyer and looking to understand how you can implement these capabilities into your practice, you don't have to go and study computer science for, for 10 years. Yeah, and in a sense, I mean, it is lawyers, law firms, I think, are an excellent market for you because the one thing we've been trained for many, many years is to ask questions. That's what that's what we do, right? Exactly. And so, so that that, uh, and I think that's going to have to be a great place to leave this. Uh, we're we're right up against time, and uh, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. Um, so we thank the audience. I'll uh, thank you, the listeners, for paying attention here. But you know what, Aguila and Evia, we have. I don't want to use the old uh, cliche of just scratch the surface. So I, I think we've, we've only dipped our toes in this water and the pool is getting deeper. If folks are interested and they want to learn more, how can they get in touch with you to ask some more questions? So visit our website at Darrow AI, Darrow.ai. We'll, we'll have the link somewhere in the show notes maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and just fill out the contact form. Uh, we'll reach out to you as fast as possible. Will a human reach out or will it be AI? It will be a human, and please, okay. you have if you have questions or just you're keen to to learn about AI or application of that, we are opening our emails, and we love to hear. We love to uh, have really tough problems to solve because this is why we started this. Yeah, our, our names are not easy to pronounce, but uh, they're um, short. They're, they're short and easy to write. It's four letters each, and you just write that name at Darrow.ai, and you get our inbox. And we're ready. Fantastic. So that is our, my guests today have been Agila Hayat, and that's G-I-L-A, and Eviatar Benartzi, but it's just E-V-Y-A for you at Darrow.ai. And that's how you can get in touch with them. And of course, this is Christopher Anderson, and uh, yeah, I'm just a human. But I do look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build a law firm business that works for you. And don't forget that you have an opportunity to ask us questions also every third Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time um, at the Unbillable Hour community table. So look forward to seeing you there as well. And of course, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. 
Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.